welcome to Compelling Communicators, a podcast where we learn some golden communication truths from compelling communicators from wide-ranging fields, including teaching, mediation, youth work, mental health nursing, counseling, expressive arts modalities, and community development. In this conversation, we meet Kathy Williams, a movement and expressive arts therapist and founder of Intuitive Self, an organization that seeks to support our connection to ourselves through movement and creative expression. In this contemplative conversation, Kathy shares how she sees communication as a way of being and relating to build authentic connections with others that are based on intimacy and closeness guided by her core value of curiosity. Kathy also shares her value of nonverbal communication, where connection moves beyond the verbal into our bodies and how we are present to each moment and to those around us. Listen out for examples of nonverbal communication practices Kathy uses to connect with self and others. The role non-judgmental, open and curious inquiry plays when creating compassionate communication experiences, how Kathy tunes in to others to stay present when looking for signs of connection, and how the lyric, people can only meet you as far as they've met themselves, has guided her in her approach to connecting and communicating with others. Over to Kathy to introduce herself. My name is Kathy Williams, and I am a movement and expressive arts therapy facilitator. Um, and I do this under my business, Intuitive Self. And I always find that question so interesting. You know, how do we introduce ourselves? And movement and expressive art therapy is. Um, often a field that not many people know or understand. It's not a term that's used often. Um, but how I like to explain it is I get the opportunity to work with individuals and communities to create experiences uh, where I invite people to connect with themselves and their body through creative art modalities. Uh, so these are opportunities for self-discovery um, and deep, yeah, deep connection with self and our body's innate wisdom. And I've had the benefit of experiencing your work and it's very powerful. And we'll talk a bit more about that towards the end of our time together. But thanks for that introduction. Um, what about a value that's really important to you in your life in general? Curiosity would be the value uh, that is one of my foundational pieces. Um, this way of being, of being curious about life, being curious about others, being curious about what comes up for myself. Um, I think it's a really important way to live life um, and have that sort of growth mindset and also not judge what comes up or what happens in life and just be curious about 
you know, oh, what can I learn from this? Or I think it's my curiosity that has led me to different experiences in life. It's led me to have conversations with different people who have now become close friends. It's led me down different paths of interest. Um, Yeah, curiosity. So I'm curious, and I also love curiosity. I'm curious about what communication means to you as a way of being in the world. So I'm curious, what does communication mean to you? Mm, I love that as a concept. Um, I also feel that it is it is a way of being. It's a way of relating um, and connecting and building friendships and intimacy and closeness. Um, it is a way of, yeah, connecting in a way that's quite real and raw and authentic to self. It can be anyway. Um, I see communication as another form of expression uh, and that's, you know, that extends beyond the verbal communication. It's our body. It's how we present ourselves. It's how we hold space for others. It's how we listen. It's how we are present to each moment um, and to those around us. Uh, you started to explore I know you've started to explore what communication you use at work. Can you speak a little bit more to that? How would you how would you bring communication to your work? Sure. So um in my work, I am I see myself as a facilitator. So I use communication and language and body language to invite people into an experience. Um, and to guide them in that experience. So I believe that I use body communication to show someone that I'm engaged with them, that I'm present with them, um, and to get them curious about the process that we're going to do together um, and to lead by example in that way. Um, so for example, if that's getting someone to connect deeply with their breath, I will then do that. Um, and I'll be quite audible with that. I'll, I'll show that my body's moving in a particular way to invite them to be curious about how they can connect with their breath and their body. Um, I use communication to hold space for others and with the intention that, they know that I'm interested and that I'm there and that they can feel heard and seen through my witnessing of them. And so I guess that's, yeah, that's on a myself to client, myself to group way. But I also use communication as the foundation of how I collaborate with other facilitators, with other creatives, um, to plan, to brainstorm, to discuss, to navigate challenges. Uh, it is something that builds a really strong relationship with the people that I collaborate with, um, with the intention that these people are people that I have sustained long-term working relationships with. So that's how it comes into play. 
So I hear in all of that many things. Um, I hear that you model the way that you want to encourage people to explore connections to themselves. So you talked about the breathing, for example. Um, you also talked about um, creating a safe space and holding space for people to connect together and to connect to themselves. How do you do that? Which communication, what type of communication, which type of skills do you think you use when you are holding space for people? I think I come from a place of curious inquiry, like coming back to that value of curiosity. Like I am a genuinely curious person. I want to, when I ask someone, you know, how are you just in a casual conversation, I'm not going to ask that unless I want to hear the answer. I want to know them. Um, and I want to create an environment where people feel like I'm approachable, that I'm not going to judge what comes up. Mm -hmm. Um, and that there's no right way of being or speaking, that whatever they're feeling in the moment is completely acceptable. Um, so I guess I come from a really understanding communication style. Um, I would describe it as quite compassionate um, and inviting that, you know, any anything is um I'm not going to judge what comes through. Um, I may be surprised by it, but I'm going to continue that line of curiosity. Yeah. Um, I often uh, see myself in such situations because we do very similar work um, or similar. we work in similar contexts. Uh, I, I see myself in the middle and um, either between people or creating space where we can both move into the center and be um, together in our not knowing. Um, I also bring a, um, a sense of, a, try and bring a sense of non-judgment to the space. So is there a visual that you have for yourself when you're in this process of space holding, group facilitation, individual connection that supports your practices? Because you've talked a lot about nonverbal communication um, uh, in, in implicitly in, in what you've talked about, and, and that's such an important part of communication generally. So I'm really curious about whether there is a, a, a posture or a perspective or a visual that you that you um, naturally sort of sit into when you're in that type of work space. Mm, I love that. Um, I guess two things come to mind. So. The posture would be, whether I'm standing or sitting, it would be sort of my chest towards them. So my, my attention is fully on the person that I am speaking with or hearing from. Um, and my arms are sort of, sort of like in this open uh, egg shape where, um, yeah, I guess it's kind of like the movement that you do just before you go and hug someone. Um, and in terms of a visual, uh, I feel like if there were sort of like, if there was like a mini circle and then a circle outside of that and then a circle outside of that, if you can sort of see that, like a target. So then like me in the middle and then other in community in the second bigger circle and then the environment that we're in 
as that outer circle um because i feel as if we you know when we know ourselves well and when we can have a strong relationship with self then we're able to be with other um in a really holistic way and we're also able to recognize the environment which is holding us and that we have a deep connection with which which is an important um part of how i live Mm, so the context is critical for you. Um, the people in immediate proximity to you, you are considering at all times. And you are also centered within yourself when you are working in this way. Yeah, I feel that's a beautiful reflection. I feel like the work that I offer, it's all experiential. Um, but I don't offer something unless I've done it a thousand times, you know, it's the, the processes that I guide people through, even though everyone is going to have their own experience of how they receive and respond to that work. I know this work so well because it is my practice. It is something that I have honed over so many years. And so I'm not going to guide someone through something that I haven't first experienced it. Um, and I need to be really strong in my sense of self to hold that for others. Um, so I guess that's a principle of how I work and that's what allows me to be really grounded in how I hold that for other people. Thank you. That's um, powerful. Thinking about um, your own experience, how did you learn to do what you do? Um, so how did you learn to communicate in the way that you do? Was it specific training? Was it experience? I'm sure it's a combination. How would you sum it up? I think it is a combination. I feel like, of course, I've I've completed training in somatic movement therapy, expressive art therapy, group work facilitation. Um, I've done my master's in social science. So I've been in educational institutions I've been in experiential um courses where the principles of how we communicate are all very present so that open compassionate understanding communication um you know taking the time to not be judgmental to come from a place of curious inquiry rather than assumptions um to be in a space where understanding unfolds over time rather than um, that first initial meeting. Also because I've worked in community development with a variety of different communities and a variety of different um, groups of people where you need to build trust over a long period of time for relationships to build and for the work to be successful. Um and a lot of that work for many years was in um, overseas. It was in international contexts where I didn't know the culture. I didn't know um, the environment I was working in. I had to learn. And a lot of that was through observing and being curious and hearing someone's story. Uh, so I think it's a combination of, yes, learning from different teachers and learning different theories, but then very much putting that into practice um, through lived experience 
and having that felt sense of going out and being thrown into a community overseas, for example, or in a lot of the courses that I did, it was about us first doing the processes and getting a felt sense of them before we then offer them to clients or to others. Um, And in the nature of the studies, being movement and art therapy, we do dyads. So you do paired work. Um, And I guess that one of the main principles of a dyad is to hold space, is to be fully present for the other person um, and to allow them to be heard and seen and listen deeply, not being judgmental to what comes up. And when you're in that kind of really compassionate way of communicating and then you go out into the lived world and you go and catch up with a friend for a coffee and it's quite a surface-level conversation, the contrast is 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 quite different. And so knowing that there are ways to be with self and other and then having experiences where I didn't feel heard or seen um, or where my feelings were dismissed, for example, and then learning, no, that's that's not what I want. That's not the kind of relationship that I want. That's not the way that I want to communicate and be with others. The threads that I can remember from that beautiful sharing is that you don't do anything, you don't share anything or bring anything to your work without having experienced it yourself first. So there's a deep knowing about what it feels like to engage in certain activities um, and that that training that has um, helped you deepen your connection to yourself and then your capacity for deep connection with others has in some way spoilt you for um, the surface level catch-ups, which uh, our society encourages us to do quickly and um, uh, often. Well, that's it. And I feel, I do feel spoiled. Um, What it's meant is that I recognise a deep need in myself for quality relationships and quality communication um, and that's not to say that, you know, I can't um, have fun and, you know, catch up with friends for a banter, but that I, I really do value that the depth that we can go to or at least knowing you can go there with someone when when the situation calls for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I also heard the the time it takes to develop those trusting connections and relationships and Um, You know, both you and I have worked in youth work, in social work settings uh, where rapport building is critical and often time is the enemy or context is challenging. And so the opportunity to develop, um, make meaning together, which is one of the lenses I bring to communication as a language teacher, um, the opportunity to make meaning, to build shared meaning is something that takes time and trust. Absolutely. Um, And I recognise that the people that I've been collaborating with recently um, have been long-standing friendships that have been built over time and that level of trust and that level of richness um, is is the foundation in which we can then do our creative work with um and that's and that's 
really important to me that I, you know, I've got these solid people in my life that I can build upon and I know that they're, you know, they're lifelong people. So how do you know that that they're, what do you recognise in others and yourself um, when you see somebody who has done similar work to you as in the internal work of, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, all of the explorations you've been talking about, how do you know that this is somebody that you could work with? What are you seeing in them? So I think I recognise safety through how my nervous system feels in their presence. Um, So it's a felt sense. It's an embodied sense of how much of myself do I feel that I can show this person? How real can I be with them and myself in any given moment Um, and know that I can feel accepted and there's a level of trust that's built through that realness and that honesty. Um, I feel as if different relationships over time, you see people in different contexts and I guess there's different, um, I don't want to say litmus test because I don't want to sound as if I'm like, you know, testing all of my friends, but I think, you know, when you bring up different things, um, just noticing how someone responds to that or receives that and can they hold that? Um, Can they meet me in those places? And when they do, it's sort of like you go to that that next level of, of depth. What signs are you looking for visually but also felt? that somebody that you can be your curious self you can be your most real self or your most authentic self in that moment with them um mm, visually I think if I still feel like they're present with me whether through eye contact body posture um you know are they are they leaning into that conversation or are they quick to want to change subject would be probably one of the most obvious ones. Um, when I show emotion, how do they respond to that? Is that something that that freaks them out, that makes them uncomfortable, or is that something that they can continue to hold? It reminds me that that's what you do for, for your the people you work with. Um, uh, I'm coming back to that visual where you talked about being facing somebody and the posture is open and the hands are by your side and open. Mm. Um, I'm thinking of the, um, there's a yoga posture. It's the upright open stance. Um, And I'm hearing that through the way that you judge also whether somebody is able in that moment to meet you in the way that you would like um, that you know is the richest for you. Um, is there a memory uh, that you have that you had an aha moment, whether it be with um, a friend or whether it be at work uh, when you were professionally using your skills where you thought, yeah, okay, this is a, I'm, I'm, I'm at that next level now? 
Love this question. So the memory that's come to mind is less a memory of myself in a professional context, uh, but I guess is an example of what I saw was really beautiful holding and I've since learnt from. Uh, So, yeah, so this memory is from when I was doing my two-year course Um, it was a graduate certificate in somatics performance and the creative process. And it was led by the teacher G.H. Soto. So he's a um, professional from the Tamalpa Institute. And over the course of uh, the two years, I actually started the course when I wasn't pregnant, got pregnant during the course. And it was the third Um, 10-day intensive. So I was about seven or eight months pregnant at the time. And the process was a somatic body connection, intuitive movement process where we, I guess to put it um, simply, we were invited to move and dramatise a story that was present. Um, And we did this in front of the whole group. And then we sat in circle and we had an opportunity to reflect as a group um, on our experience. So everyone sort of had the talking stick and had individual time. When it got to me, I was reflecting on a fear of mine that was really present that I hadn't recognised up until that point, um, which was that when I first got pregnant, I was terrified of being pregnant and well, not so much being pregnant, but of, of the life, the huge life transition that was now in, I was in and what was to come and all of the changes. Uh, And then when I did this somatic process on that day, what I recognized being, yeah, it was very late into my pregnancy. So seven or eight months. So I must've been close to my due date, maybe eight months. And I realized that uh, I had a fear of not being pregnant anymore. And I went to speak this and I couldn't find the words. And I, I just, I kind of, I think I must've started crying and I just, I went to dismiss myself. I went to say, Oh, please go to the next person. I, I need to sort my own feelings out and then come back. And I said this and I, I sort of, I, I physically said, oh, no, please go to someone else and come back. And I wiped my hand and sort of to pass, you know, to energetically pass it on. And the person next to me looked at Soto, our, our facilitator, and Soto just sat similar posture as we as we said, sat upright, arms open, and he just waited so compassionately. Nobody moved. Nobody said anything. No one had a reaction to my tears. He just waited, and it was so gentle, and it was so soft. I feel emotional thinking about it. Um, and it was this real acceptance of we're here, we're all here for you. 
And I felt it. I felt so held by the group who were just silently holding. And I let my tears fall. And because I had this unspoken permission to be with what was really present that I was only first recognizing for myself, over time I was then able to say that I've gotten so used to being pregnant and I've really enjoyed this process and now I'm scared for what's going to happen on the other side of this pregnancy. I got to acknowledge that and I got to be held in acknowledging that and it was this like full out breath relief that I didn't have to bottle that down. I was so used to bottling my own emotions, hence why I dismissed my own feelings and went to move on because I didn't want to take up anyone's time or be a burden or whatever I was thinking, old conditioning stuff. And his acceptance of me in that moment and him leading by example of, no, we wait, you everything that's happening, completely acceptable. We will wait because this is important. You're important. And I felt all of that and he didn't even need to communicate that. Verbally. Verbally. His communication was the powerful um, presence of somebody who knows that time and patience is required when people are moving through experiences within themselves that haven't yet come out in words but are clear to everybody. It was so beautiful. And I feel as if, yeah, that memory is so strong in me because not only do I have the embodied felt sense, but I I want to lead that way. I want to hold circle in that way. I want to show people through that compassionate patience and love that all of you is accepted here. All of all parts of you are welcome here as they rise and don't let your own judgments or your own stories come into play because we're not, you know. <laughs> so there's the internal communication, the narrative that we have of us in, internally that is speaking to us all the time that we so often project out into either questions of others or assumptions about others um, or dismissals of our own needs verbally. Yeah, or in the postures that we bring into the world, the way that we are. And for somebody to hold space by being patient and wise and compassionate, um, I'm guessing this is, you've already said it, uh, a person that you remember and I want to say seek to emulate, but that's not what it's about. It's hold dear learn from, be guided by, even if that person isn't in your life right now. Is that accurate? Yes, absolutely. Be guided by, um, hold dear, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, when we have these beautiful moments and we um, have these memories or we have these scenarios where we see something in someone that we, have so much admiration for and we can learn from. It's like, great, like how can I learn from this experience and then 
and then do that but in my own way with my own flavor um and yeah i'm very lucky to have had the the mentors and the teachers i've had mm, yeah the role the vital role of of mentorship stewardship beautiful modeling in our people that that guide us whether it be formally or informally um we've spoken so broadly and beautifully about the role that communication in all its senses both internal external verbal but more so the the body felt sense and um the space holding um that 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 you do in your work we've talked so much about that in our our beautiful conversation is there something that if you were to share with somebody here's me coming back as a verbal communicator <laughs> um but i'm also going to ask you in 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 the way that you might share it too which might be physically is there one golden truth that you share with people who are interested about ad advancing or becoming better at, at communication uh, from your own experience? So something that I heard, it's, actually, it's a lyric of a song. It's potentially a quote from someone famous and then became a lyric in a song. But the quote, people can only meet you as far as they've met themselves, really strikes me. And I feel as if, the golden truth for me is that I don't want to hold expectations or assumptions on someone else's capacity. I can do my best to lead by example, um, but also it takes two to come together and meet meet each other in that way, whether that's a friendship or family member or intimate relationship can, you know, I always ask like, you know, can they meet me here? Are they willing? Are they open to? They don't have, we don't have to have the same skill sets, but is there an intention to, to meet each other in those places? Um, and I think that's something that guides my way of relating. Mm, so beautiful. Um, Kathy, thank you so much for all that you have shared. You've shared, um, deeply and personally and it's been a wonderful conversation I wonder how people can stay connected to you what offerings you have that you're sharing in the world at the moment would you like to to tell us thank you Rachel for this beautiful dialogue and the flow in which it has gone um, I really enjoy our conversations as always um, sure. So people can follow me. My website is intuitiveself.com.au. Um, and on Instagram, intuitive self double underscore. And I offer one-on-one -on -one sessions. I offer workshop events in person and online, um, and longer courses that are about four to six week long. So the latest offerings will be on my platforms. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, final question as we draw our conversation to a close. How do you like to farewell people? Mm, um, usually with a big warm heart-to-heart -heart hug. <laughs> so I will virtually do that. Send my love and energy to you, dear one. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks, Rachel. In this episode, Kathy has shared her golden truth of communication. 
to inquire whether another can meet her in those raw, real places of authenticity and vulnerability without judgment, expectation, or assumptions of someone's capacity to connect. My gratitude goes to Kathy Williams for her time, wisdom, and work, all shared with such gentle reflection. You can connect with Kathy and her work via her website, www.intuitiveself.com.au. And for those of you based in Melbourne, Australia, Kathy and I are also running our seasonal gathering for this autumn entitled Love, Loss and Letting Go on Saturday the 27th of May in Ceres, Brunswick East, where you will be able to experience Kathy's practice approaches using movement and creative expression. You can find out details by going directly to Eventbrite and typing in Love, Loss and Letting Go or you can join us for an Insta Live session that we will both be running, where we will share more about the seasonal gathering um, on Kathy's Instagram, which is the handle intuitive self underscore. And that will be on Wednesday, the 19th of April at 6 p.m. It would be great to see you there. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compelling Communicators. Thanks to Nina Humphreys for composing the music you're listening to now. See you next time.